Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. David gets his first. Trying to excuse my words carefully without swearing. <laughs> and and I want to con- uh, congratulate David and uh, of course Dino as well because uh, I know what these big ones mean. You know they're uh, they're pretty special and uh, especially the first ones off the board. So uh, and I actually don't mind you either. You're one of the few that I actually like too. So. <laughs> Craig takes the championship lead. Yes, I think that's, uh, you know, we all had some near misses. And the double L's take the Pertec Cup. It's fantastic to be able to sort of share it with uh, with Craig and to most importantly see him come out of this weekend uh, with the championship lead. There's only two rounds to go, so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed for him for, for the remainder. We wrap up the 600 as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. David Reynolds and Dean Canto have taken the final round of the Pertec Cup with a determined drive on Sunday at the Armoroyal Gold Coast 600. Mate, I was spent after, you know, the high race. So I was trying so hard, trying to keep it off the fence. Uh, I had a gap to Coulthard that I was trying to manage and he was closing in. You know, a few tenths a lap, I was trying to do my best. And through the last sector, every lap was different because the track was so bad and I was just trying to manage that as best I could. Craig Lowndes talked about the championship after taking over the lead from his teammate Jamie Winkup. I said that uh, this weekend was my Achilles heel and uh, we managed to actually uh, you know, make up 120 points on Jamie. So uh, really for me it's, uh, you know, it's been a fantastic weekend, it's been a very positive weekend. Fabian Coulthard's Saturday ended early by taking too much of the curbs but on Sunday he was happy to be back on the podium particularly after making up 14 places on the racetrack. Basically it's, uh, you know, I was weak you know, through the through that back chicane, and I needed to find some time, and I went about finding it, but failed. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, I just had to uh, creep up on it. Um, today was better. Uh, I still think we could find some more time, but I think partly that's due to the repair um, that we did overnight. Obviously, it still wasn't perfect. Um, but yeah, look, second still a awesome result from 16th. Russell Engel was glowing with a third place finish. Yeah, so no, it was it was it was really good fun. You know, it was it, it's just good to race. You know, like I said, I, I you know I've said it before. You don't need to win a race to have a good race, and the, and that was that was a good race. You know, because it was competitive, the car was good. You know, it was on the edge stuff. When you got someone like Wink up behind you, it's not easy because you know the you know the buster doesn't give up. So you know you got to keep pressing on, not make a mistake. Saturday saw Lowndes and Luff the double L's able to overcome a flat tyre to win the first half of the 600. Up on the podium here, because uh, it is a track that I enjoy. It's just I haven't had, uh, in the past, just haven't had a good run. So uh, 
and Warren did a fantastic job because uh, he wasn't supposed to be in the car for as, as long as he was. Um, you know, he was going to do his 34 or 5 laps and then we're going to get him out. But, uh, of course, the way with the safety cars and the strategy turned out that uh, he basically did a stint and a half, which, uh, you know, which was fantastic. The Van Gisbergen and Bleakmon took out a hard-fought second place. You know, right, right from the start, the car was good and Jerome did a pretty great job and he led for quite a lot of laps. So it, was, it was really good to see. And then uh, I jumped in and... There were so many different strategies, people on different tyres and stuff like that. And at the the safety car, we had to we had to pit um, to get the, rec- the required amount of fuel. And and uh, you know we came out with Craig, and I knew I was racing him, so we managed to pass him on track. And then at the end, um, he obviously jumped us at the stop with Rears, but uh, with with Rears, I thought I had a had a shot at him, caught him for a couple of laps, but then he got going as his car I guess balanced out but um, his pace was unreal for real rears only it was really impressive. Just a great result the, the team uh, did a great job with strategy and Shane drove uh, really well I mean uh, I, I had a good race I was fighting in the lead of course because other people pit it but uh, still I had a really good fight with Berto for the lead hung on to it and uh, then when Shane took over he uh, yeah he, he passed so many cars on track so uh, I knew we were gonna we were in there for a good result and yeah, just great uh, to be on the podium here and uh, hopefully we have another shot at it tomorrow. While the Bathurst winners, Winterbottom and Richards, were happy with third place after a crazy race. I can't believe the car's finished. This track is so brutal. You're bouncing off things and um, you're pushing tyres out of the way and those sleepers in the track are just... I can't believe we had so many cars finished because um, it's such a brutal track and uh, to go fast you have to be brutal. So... Um, you know, it, it ended up being a good result. We could have ended up out of sequence, but we had to pit early and uh, ended up where we did. So um, thankfully we brought it home. We tied bundle with three to go and just the car looks like it's an absolute mess. I, I can't believe it finished, so um, good to get home. Never say never, mate. you just um, got to ha- hang in there. You know, the early parts of the race are really tough, as all the co-drivers would find. You know, it's, um, you know, you just got to not make a mistake and when the field concertina's up try and give yourself a bit of room but not get punted in the back and just just be a bit conservative sometimes but then again you have to attack when there's an opportunity so um yeah i'm, I'm pretty pleased with the outcome actually i think uh frosty did his best in the last three laps to stick against the wall but we got it home the latest edition of the v8x magazine is on sale now with craig Lowndes and peter brock on the cover you can check out the latest edition in stores the iPod edition at the Mag Shop, and for Android, you'll find it at Magstar. After the break, the panel will look at this week's conclusion to the Pertech Cup. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Speed Cafe, it's Stefan Bartholomew. Good evening, Stefan. Good day, Craig. Thanks for having me. And Tony Whitlock from Race Facts. Good evening, Tony. Good evening. It's been an interesting weekend up on the Gold Coast, but 
interesting in many ways. David Reynolds getting... David Reynolds getting his first victory. Oh, for goodness sakes. David Reynolds getting his first victory in the V8 supercars. And, uh, Stefan, it was a lot of pressure building up on David because he was in that position, an enviable position, where he's been expected to have a main game win. He's expected to have success, but he hadn't achieved it whilst around him. Moff, Mostert, McLaughlin, all newcomers to the series had picked up their maiden victories. Yeah, you're right. It was uh, a long time coming. I mean, he was the Australian Formula Board Championship a champion in uh, 2004, I believe. So certainly at that point, um, you would have thought that if he'd made it to the eight supercars, he would have uh, won before 2013. But um, he'd shown the speed before, he'd shown the potential, and he just had to put it all together. And obviously, he combines very well with Dean Canto, who's proven himself as one of the best co-drivers out there. So um, Davey did the job in the morning. He got pole and. Uh, and uh, Dean started pretty well. Oh, sorry, David actually started the race, but uh, Dean did his job. And, uh, yeah, David Reynolds was good enough to uh, keep all the wheels pointing in the right direction when others were striking curbs a little bit harder. Mm. Now, I know, Tony, you've taken taken offence almost to other media reports saying that he was handed the win. Oh, no. He drove to the conditions, and the conditions were that you could rip a wheel off pretty easily. Um, Fabian learnt it, and learnt it the hard way, having uh, lost a cert- pretty certain podium on Saturday and uh, decided that he needed to do a different way on Sunday, and James did not drive the conditions, and that uh, uh, his car may have been more delicate than it would have been otherwise due to somebody being punted into a wall, but um, I-, I think David, uh, David knew that he couldn't uh, catch... James if he kept on driving in the manner he did but the result was that James did not have um, <laughs> was not able to, to complete the race because it broke mm. Stefan? David you know, did, was not handed a win by James Courtney not making it No uh, I, I found that I found that to be a bit off when I, I um, saw people reporting that because you only have to beat the finishers you don't yeah. ever have to worry about beating the uh, non-finishers Yeah yeah. Um, the biggest, my disappointment, though, was not the, the, the fact that uh, somebody else was suggesting that he didn't win the race, but the fact that David didn't celebrate the race in the way that he had been promising. I didn't want to see him do a nudie run or a nudie surf on his new board or anything like that, but just a little bit more of that exuberant David Reynolds style that I have seen for 10 years and a little bit offline and all those sort of things that makes him a real somebody to enjoy. Now, he threw some pot plants around. Well, that was great, and I hope he didn't hurt anybody. But just a little bit more for the media would have been good. uh, There's been a promise there for a long time there was something going to be special, but we didn't really get much in the way of special in the media conference. Well, we did get Rod Nash, well, not in the media conference, but we certainly got Rod Nash kissing David at the end of the race. I'm sorry, I'm not into the man love sort of thing, okay? So, you know, we'll leave that one alone. But um, anyway, it was great for David, and I'm really pleased he's got that win. I'm sure, as you more than likely would agree with me, it is a taste of things to come. I think it will be, Stefan. You think he's now got the monkey off his back? Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I guess literally, almost he has. But... um... As long as the FPR cars are competitive next year, and there's not too many signs that they won't they won't be, um, 
he should definitely be uh, challenging for a lot more wins. Interesting that four of the six uh, drivers of Fords this year have won races. And also, uh, critically, we've now seen two Ford wins in the last three races. And FPR, who were looking like they were they were having a bit of a, a Bathurst blues on Saturday. Um, mind you, they got Frosty onto the podium, but uh, uh, it was more by chance, I think, uh, than by great management. Um, yeah, well, there was definitely no better way to celebrate um, the announcement that they would uh, be continuing to receive Ford support in 2014 than by winning the race the next day. Um, it was... Uh, Good for Ford fans as well. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about um, Ford's future involvement in the championship, and um, yeah, to have a have a really only one organisation in charge of engineering Falcons these days because DJR gets uh, their suspension and whatever supplied through FPR. Um, it's very important that uh, they're competitive, so um, it was obviously a, a pretty popular result. Tony, what were your thoughts about, uh, well, certainly about FPR's weekend and knowing that they are shooting to try and get a championship and on Saturday the championship pitcher got completely up and got completely turned over with Jamie Winkup's DNF? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, and uh, <laughs> the DNF, of course, was the result of... Um, one uh, Paul Dumbrell punting the back of uh, Greg Murphy and the transaxle giving up the ghost. A sudden impact obviously broke something in the transaxle and that's what put the car out. Um, you know, so that was the penalty that I suppose that was brought on, but I think there is uh, another penalty that was talked about by the stewards. You ruin somebody else's day, we'll ruin yours. Now, I don't think for one second that there was enough penalty put on Dumbrell, Wincup or the Triple Eight number one car for uh, taking out another competitor and clearly a competitor in Murphy Courtney that was going to be on the money on Saturday. Um, it was a very peculiar instance where uh, uh, Lowndes at one stage was offered a five grid penalty but then uh, not. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, taken out of the championship, well, you know, they led to their own demise and fell on the sword. And that's, uh, I guess, the whole thing that drivers are uh, paranoid about a co-driver ruining their year. Yeah, um, obviously there's a lot of potential for that through the three races, um, especially yeah, especially on the Gold Coast where um, there can be a bit of carnage. I guess um, with with PD's incident there, uh, no point giving them a um, post-race time penalty when they only did the first part of the race. And to give Jamie a, a points penalty when he wasn't in the, in the car would probably be... Uh, not quite right either. So, um, so maybe Tony, what uh, what do you reckon would have been uh, fitting fitting the crime there? Uh, it should have been a points penalty. There should have been a points penalty for, to the um, team or to Jamie Winkup. To Jamie Winkup, it's not a team penalty. It's a car penalty. Yeah. A car penalty. In my mind, the co-driver making a mistake, albeit a catastrophic mistake to a competitor. I struggle to uh, I, I struggle to see how it should be the other driver's uh, penalty. It would be like taking fifty points off Sebastian Vettel because he didn't go back to Park Ferme. Well, hang on. Um, if 
the car is driven by one of two drivers. If either of those drivers cause a mistake, is that car a mistake? And therefore, it cannot be a team that's penalised for it. It is the car that's got to be penalised. And the car was driven by Dumbrell. He's substituted that time, rather, for, for Win Cup. There's got to be a points penalty that goes across both drivers. Mm. I, can, I, I can see the point. Just uh, I struggle with it a little bit. What about you, Stephen? Well, I mean, you could take it to the extreme and say that if the co-driver um, has a brain snap and turns the car around and, and drives the wrong way on the circuit and, um, you know, causes all sorts of mayhem, you're probably going to take his, his cams license away. But probably Jack Villeneuve style. Drivers. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, all the precedent that I can think of um, agrees with Tony in that if there's post-race points penalties, it's applied across both drivers. So uh, hard to argue with, uh, with that. No, and, and it's... Regardless of the fact um, that the other car didn't finish the race, it doesn't matter that one didn't finish the race. He took another competitor out. And that has been the premise probably the last five years when it was taken on that line of you ruin somebody else's race, where you ruin your race. doesn't matter that you're already out of the race. You have to take a penalty for the fact that you caused somebody else. Mm. And, uh, I mean, in, in a similar way, there's a very strange one. Um, both the uh, Lowndes um, Will Davison incident in qualifying. Um, both of those incidents, there was no breach of rules. I failed to understand how either of those escaped the uh, penalties. But, you know, they, they run under the auspices of Triple uh, Eight and Roland Dane, and for that reason, there seems to be a separate rule book that runs. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the VAD Insiders. There's plenty more to talk about when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Craig Ravel, is Tony Whitlock and Stefan Bartholomew. And guys, it's, it was a fascinating weekend, but one thing that I was absolutely thrilled is, as I'm sure you were as well, Tony, was fourth place finish for Tony D'Alberto. And uh, it could have all been uh, so much better for him to get onto the podium for the first time. Yes, it, it would have been terrific. Um, and uh, I, I like the fact that Mark Winterbond acknowledged there was no other driver who he would be happier to see on a podium um, than, uh, than Tony because he is deserving of it. And great to see. I mean, we all know a fourth place anywhere in the top ten is a hard-won uh, position in this championship. And it was fantastic because, you know, Tony has shown in that, that team that uh, they they do a great job there and that, you know, that's his fourth or uh, I think his fourth top ten qualifying. Certainly he had a front row grid at Winton, um, but this time he was able to hold his position and, you know, in tough company. And Johnny Reed, who has put to the metal uh, early this year when he was at DJ's uh, second car, has come back and, and given the job that uh, Dalbertos were hoping he did and, you know, very thoroughly deserved. Stefan, it was a it was a great result, and uh, I don't think anyone's got a bad word to say about Tony. No, and you have to also uh, take it in the context of where they are 
um, business-wise, it's not easy for, especially for teams such as theirs at the moment, without getting um, getting the sort of revenue from V8 supercars that they used to. Um, making that work with sponsors and and putting together something for next year, it's certainly not uh, not clear exactly what they'll be doing next year and whether they'll be on the grid. They sort of talked about. It'd be ideal if they could expand to a, uh, a second car for economies of scale, but um, actually selling that to someone when clearly the idea is to, is to make money out of it is not easy. Um, so we'll see where they end up with Walkinshaw's talking about running a fourth car for, for Percat maybe. Um, certainly wouldn't help them either. So uh, it's good to see all those guys get a bit of sugar at the weekend. Mm. And, uh, of course, the other speculation that's going on in the background, and although us in the media think we've got it worked out to the chagrin of uh, Will Davison's manager at times. Uh, the announcement that he's not staying with Ford Performance Racing, followed by the announcement that Chas Mostert is going to go into the factory seat that he leaves, um, has certainly added to the silly season speculation. Well, I guess. I mean, he's going to Erebus. That's that. <laughs> um, and we don't know how many cars Erebus are running, or I don't, but um, if they can... They can run Lee Holdsworth and Will Davison, then uh, they'll be looking all right, regardless of how many other cars they run. Um, those two drivers are certainly going to maximise the technical package put in front of them. So, uh, and they've got the experience to, to develop the cars as well. So, yeah, I think that's good for the championship to then put Chaz at FPR. Um, he's, he's shown that he can, uh, he can do the job, and it'll actually be very interesting to see how he goes against Mark Winterbottom next year because... Our qualifying Chaz Mostert is not an easy task for anyone, whether you're the reigning Bathurst winner or you're, or you whoever. So, um, yeah, it sets up some more interest in next year's championship, which is only a good thing. Tony? One of the lovely things that we've seen this year is that the young are certainly not intimidated. They might not have, you know, the same back backing that uh, some of these young guys, uh, some of the rather more experienced ones have. And they might not have the credentials, but they have no fear in qualifying and will take on anybody. And to see the success that um, Mostert, McLaughlin, uh, Moff, uh, I mean, Moffat on Sunday was not the same spec engine, clearly shoved that car on his back and ran like hell around that track and, you know, did a great job. I mean, he was let down in the end with an engine that's not the same spec and uh, all those sort of things. But uh, it was a fantastic job to see all this year, these young guys all, you know, doing such a great job. Um, and in the purity of qualifying, I mean, that's what I was talking about, Dalberto. I mean, he's had three top fives this year in qualifying. At this level, that's no bloody happenstance. That's no coincidence. You know, to do that at this level, you know, to get the top tens and top fives that, that Dalberto's had... Um, and, you know, prove that they made a correct decision. I mean, there are a lot of people, including myself, who sort of said, gee, why are you leaving FBR and going back to Walkinshaws? Well, Walkinshaws demonstrated that they can support a customer program and to the full sort. And it was fantastic that an engineer who'd been a 10-year man at um, HRT and Joe Spano, that he got to uh, go there and join Alberta's, and they made the thing work. And Great to see. Mm. Now, Tony, I, I know how much you appreciate the technical aspects of uh, supercars, but with the Erebus situation, if they do drop back to two cars, which no one really knows, James, is, James Rosenberg has indicated that his licence is one up for sale or two up for lease, and uh, up for a new lease, what would be the advantages of a team like Erebus 
dropping back to two cars but having infrastructure for three and then spare cars and spare all the spares that come with that when you are on a, I'll, I'll say more compacted, but we all know that's a bit of a fallacy, 2014 season. Look, whether they're two, three or four cars, Erebus will be stronger in their second year. They went through pain and grief, for instance, with Lee having five DNFs. Um, you know, he as a driver was questioning himself and, and obviously people within the team were questioning whether they had the right bloke there. Um, Lee, you know, has a talent and should be in that sort of a team. Um, and, uh, you know, having Will on board, I mean, obviously losing Slade is going to hurt them a bit. But um, they are going to benefit from having two guys who are going to push each other and knowing what they know now after a year of running with the package they've got. They, they will go better if they are a two-car team. They will be stronger, not weaker. I think that if they were to go to four cars, they'd be stretched. You know, Betty laid out a big dollar to buy those engines, and she's got a big pack of them there. And clearly, they've got over their overheating issues and all the other little myriad things they had to do to make them work. And they'll be stronger if they're two. You know, equally as strong probably uh, if they're three, and I think weaker if they were to go to four. And I don't think they'll go to four cars. Stefan, what about you? Technically, I can I can certainly see advantages if they did cut back to two. Yeah, I mean, we can talk all day about, um, you know, not having to run the second truck with just one car in it and all that sort of stuff. But really, I mean, they've just had in the last couple of days the announcements of SP Tools and Irwin both uh, set to depart the team. Um, And even though, obviously, Betty has a few dollars tucked away in the bank and what have you, um, she has been pretty bullish about the fact that it can't just hemorrhage money forever. So, um, yeah, you've got to question the value of running a third car if you don't have um, anywhere near the sponsorship to cover it. So, yeah, would, would they miss a third car? Probably not. A huge opportunity opens up at that team and with Betty's contacts and her Rolodex to bring in some very interesting sponsorship uh, arrangements and to really move us away, Tony, from the oil and petrol deals that uh, have certainly sustained the sport since advertising was allowed in motorsport. Well, I'll certainly look forward to seeing some new names on cars. Um, I sort of haven't heard any whispers of who those particular ones, whether it's Hugo Boss or BBS Wheels or anybody like that, but um, it would be terrific to see some new names on the sides of cars. And look, you know, I mean... I find it strange when, when still today, I mean, I picked up something and talked about Mercedes backed in some publication. I thought, Jesus, doesn't anybody get it out there? These Mercedes Australia would, would prefer that Betty wasn't running this team. You know, that, that Betty is fortunate because she is a successful customer of HWA, the AMG. Um, and, but, you know, if she can leverage some things, then, you know, good luck to them, and I, I hope they are able to. There's some very capable people in that team, and that they will put up a much stronger fight in uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. Stefan, what about your thoughts on certainly opening up the sponsorship pool? Because that's been the biggest problem. It's been too many teams going after everyone else's sponsors. Yeah, well, I mean, it would be great if they had Rolex and Hugo Boss and whatever, but um, obviously it's not that easy to sell sponsors into the sport, and that's one of the reasons why you see so much poaching is once they've been sold in at a smaller level, you can, 
you can upspec them easier than you can just starting from scratch. But um, I guess with the Erebus situation, the uh, the overriding um, sort of issue, if you want to call it that, is um, how how Mercedes feels about it and how AMG in Germany feels about it and um, what the future of the program is. Obviously, it's quite quite different to a traditional race team structure that we've seen here before. Um, so whether things like what sponsors they have on the cars um, influences how those um, companies feel about the program, um, I'm not sure. Uh, there has been some suggestion that um, the blue-collar sort of sponsors that they've had haven't um, been been ideal for those relationships, but um, I really don't know for sure on those things. Mm. I, I've got to say uh, as well, we need to be clear, it's not Betty owning the team and running Mercedes that Mercedes Australia isn't happy with. Mercedes Australia don't see V8 supercars as being the right platform, Tony. So it's got nothing to do with the personalities per se. It's where Mercedes Australia sees their brand. Oh, that's one version. <laughs> <laughs> and yours is? Hello, Tony. Oh, he's gone. He's been taken. Mercedes Australia did not want to get Tony's version out. We'll try and get Tony back on the line and be back with you shortly here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders on the Munro White Flag lap. Stefan Bartholomeus and Tony Whitlock has been returned. It looks like it might have been just a freak shower up there, which we experienced earlier in the show with Stefan getting you and not the Mercedes representatives. Yes, indeed. Um, I just wanted to bring up uh, an interesting thing for the weekend was that um, it was Craig Land's first poll for the year, which is rather remarkable. I can't remember a year had gone by where he hadn't had a poll. Um, and uh, it does seem quite amazing that it's taken that long. I mean, he's got a qualifying average this year of seven, which is very close to what he had last year. And, um, you know, it's his teammate that regularly punches out the 10, 11, 12 each year. But uh, he uh, he got a pole when it counted. Definitely did. And uh, he did say, Stefan, after the race, that if uh, if anyone had told him he'd come out of the weekend with the with the championship points lead, he said he wouldn't have believed him. Yeah, well, I guess no one would have predicted that uh, Jamie would have only qualified 25th in that um, same session that uh, Craig got pole. So, yeah, it's um, it's certainly made the championship a lot more interesting for the last couple of rounds. I still personally probably think that Jamie should be the favourite as it stands right now, just based on uh, on his pace and all the rest of it. But uh, Craig's got a six-point lead, and FBR aren't too far behind either. So it's uh, all looking pretty good. Tony is. This the shot in the arm that the championship needs? Someone else leading it after the Enduros? I, I think so. And, I mean, I don't think anyone begrudges uh, anyone at this level um, 
leading point scores or anything like that, and it's all done, you know, there's an enormous uh, amount that's committed to, to get to these sort of results. But I find it uh, particularly invigorating that uh, uh, FPR are as close as they are and that I'm sure that, like many others, um, the chants at Bathurst were extraordinary. Uh, I'd never heard a football-type chant of FPR before, and clearly there were a lot of Ford people who were long uh, long overdue to celebrate. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, look, it, it's terrific to see the series uh, so close. And, uh, I, you know, so many different winners, so many different pole winners. Um, you know, at the weekend we had, well, we don't have ground winners uh, or we don't celebrate event winners. Um, wonderful to see that Reynolds, Ingle and Lowndes all were equally shared and tied on 240 points for the weekend. Mm. Um, you know, that's a fabulous thing to see and that so many different uh, rounds have been won if they had been uh, running those sort of things still. But um, the closeness, I mean, obviously the new car has worked and worked a treat. Everyone was so delighted to see um, the transaxles in particular stand up to the Bathurst uh, treatment and equally at the weekend, um, no one had a failure of a transmission. Uh, at the weekend. I mean, the one that stopped because of it was because of a crash damage uh, in uh, car one. Um, and to see so much new technology and to see it all working so well, the, uh, the very large crashes that have happened have uh, been repairable. And the great thing is that, you know, you can go to a shelf, not quite your local Kmart, but go to a shelf and get the uh, laser cut pieces to weld back in and get the thing on the road again. Mm. And Stefan, we we need to talk about uh, two things in particular. One, the driving of Warren Luff, who once again showed his class as a co-driver. And also, do we have another silly season transfer with Russell Engel finding a way to get himself another year at the top level of the sport? Well, I don't know. I don't think um, I don't think we'll see Russell full time next year. Um, but he's certainly one of the top enduro picks for sure. Um, and just thinking there with with yeah, what Roland's got at the moment with PD and, and Warren, um, Scott Pye, if he does drop back to Career Cup, will also be in the mix as one of the uh, one of the key players. So uh, just as well that uh, Warren did a pretty good job this year because there's going to be a few uh, few people eyeing off those drafts. Tony. Uh, yes, yeah, Scott Pye may well have uh, protected his chance for that second enduro seat at Triple uh, Eight, because if he had uh, not got out of the way of uh, of the Triple uh, Eight car and getting out of uh, Gisbergen's, then I think Scott would have blotted his coffee book quite irreparably. One thing I have to say, though, he's been overlooked. He's much maligned, but uh, Paul Morris has had. Two very, very strong co-driving efforts to help get Scott Pye into good positions. Yes, indeed, indeed he has, and uh, and well, in fact, he was making a mess of things in the uh, development race. He did a great job at Bathurst, and it was fantastic for LDM to see them because, quite apart from Lucas, obviously, who uh, while he can't celebrate in the normal way that do, throwing bottles and things around. I'm sure that Lucas was uh, feeling uh, a lot better about the world on Sunday night at Bathurst. Um, and yes, uh, Brendan Hogan, as engineer, came up with a strategy, and they were only the 24th fastest pair at Bathurst, and yet they finished sixth. 
there's a good number of team managers and engineers who should be looking very hard at themselves after Bathurst and saying, how do we stuff up? How come they got there and we didn't? Mm. And, uh, Stefan, that's a, a critical thing. Someone who is willing to think outside the box can sometimes turn it round, although most times people want to play it safe like we saw with Triple Eight on Sunday. Yeah, well, I guess with the uh, 60-60 format being used so often this year, we haven't seen as much strategy as we have in days gone by, and Phillip Island, again, will be pretty much just qualified as well as he can and uh, and go from there. But uh, certainly Homebush, the championship could be won or lost on, on a gamble like that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see who's smiling at the end of that one. Mm. Do we know if they've got the 60-60 format still at uh, Phillip Island? I... Yes, it is. It is. So it will be the death of the acceleration zone, which will be the sad part or a sad thing for many in the media centre. Are you coming? I will be there. Oh, good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> I'll put my hand up. The $2 is in your bank account already. Oh, okay then. Well, Ben Beasley was charged with the job of running the sweep in my absence, and obviously it didn't occur. No, no. no. He, he was very busy on SPG. For now. <laughs> Guys, always a pleasure to catch up with you. There's so much more to talk about, but uh, we just run out of time. But uh, we look forward to seeing you all down there at Phillip Island. As we do as well. Thanks, thanks, Greg. Happy editing on this one. Yeah, that's right. Guys, uh, pleasure to have you on the show. As the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.